0: and welcome to another episode of the stardom cast your monthly audio source for all things world wondering stardom right here on the pod mania podcasting network and also now on the dragon suplex network thank you to world and to conrad for having us on there i am your host rob good and i am joined as ever by chris oh chris how the devil are you I'm alright. It's been a w it's been a week
1: when nothing's well most weeks nowadays uh weeks when nothing really happens. <laughs> because the world is on fire. But yeah, for fake for fake fighting it's been really good this week. Some really good matches. Um especially in Noah and Stardom, which we'll be getting to. Well stardom, we don't talk about Noah here. Um but also and this is weird for me. It was a bit of a shit week for um, real fighting because the UFC card kind of disappointed
0: me. I didn't know you were a fan of the UFC, Chris. <laughs> I,
1: I, I watch the main pay-per-views. I don't watch the fight nights because I, I don't care. Just, I, I want to see the champion. I'm a casual um, UFC fan. But, like, the O'Malley match, and I really like O'Malley, but, like, he broke his leg, so he got knocked out fairly quickly because, you know, so he had to fight with... a but like, and then the mission um, I can't say his name, Mishokvik shock big match, um, they were both making mistakes. People that, like, do making errors in terms of like fouls that someone of their calibre shouldn't be doing. But yeah, it was still fine. I didn't hate it. The undercard was good Some with one really good knockout. Um, but other than
0: that, yeah, just meh. <laughs> I learned something new about
1: you every day, Chris. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've talked about how I watch UFC before but I'm pretty sure we talked about we must talk about it at some point. I could have sworn. Oh no, no, no man, I just showed you UFC credits from the UFC video game.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. Um for those who don't know, uh Chris was playing UFC three and decided to make him up on the ga- make himself up on the game. Um, and hasn't quite mastered the art of creating a character in or creating a, a fighter in uh, the UFC game and proceeded to send the picture to the group chat presuming that myself and Garth would be full of <laughs> praise for his fighter when in fact this thing has the biggest head you have Ever seen on a human body. It was to the point of caricature, and me and Garth saw it straight. Chris still can't see how mammoth a Swede this thing has.
1: Yet has never been knocked out. Has been submitted and submitted a lot. I'm not very good at submission minigame, but <laughs> has never been knocked.
0: Out. It's because he's got a head made of stone.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, he's the stone pitbull. I'm much better at making characters in
0: um, wrestling games. <laughs> Where things are inherently cartoonish. Yes. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we've got a lot to talk about on this podcast. But before we do, I just want to quickly say a thank you on behalf of myself and Chris. And because it's taken me absolutely fucking ages to actually get on to record tonight due to my computer deciding it wanted to update to Microsoft Edge, and apparently that is a three-hour fucking endeavour. Um, I just wanted to say a thank you um, because August already, as we record it, is the 17th of August. Um, July was a really great month for the Stardom cast in terms of downloads, massive acceleration in downloads, and it was, it was quite incredible. And August already is our highest month of downloads and we're only halfway through the month so i just wanted to say thank you it's been amazing i've i've re- from not really registering stardom until december of 2019 to you know doing a podcast on a podcast that i love doing um and you know to have people that actually listen to it as well listen to two fucking idiots talk about something they barely know anything about it's great so thank you to everyone that listens everyone that interacts with us on twitter interacts with us in the discord we we really really do appreciate it um so yeah that's that's my little thank you Uh, i just wanted to get that out of the way before we start with what has chris been two very 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 good days of wrestling in terms of stardom
1: yeah, um, they've been about, like, what I said, but I think I said this about Five Star when we were previewing it, you don't expect match to be a contenders, like, uh, to the um, level that you'd expect from, like, a G1, where they're happening seemingly every day, like, you maybe get a couple throughout the tournament, but, like, it's, the floor is so much higher on a um, Five Star, just because, the time limit, I know it went up this year, but the time limit really does help in ways I don't think people understand because it means matches, even if they're bad, are finished relatively quickly. Whereas in the G1, you're going to be stuck with a 15 minute bad luck
0: Farley match. And <laughs> no, thank you. No. And this is something that I'm going to comment on um, throughout the two nights, actually. They've let matches breathe where they've needed to breathe. But matches that haven't necessarily needed to overstay their welcome, and you know, much have come around to the Death Yamasan gimmick. Nobody wants to see a seventeen-minute Death Yamasan match. You know, oh, contra- or what? I want to, I want to see that just to see you. Uh, <laughs> I feel like your rant will be longer than the match. <laughs> no, do you know what? She's, she's the comedy. I can get on board with that, and again, Stardom have booked it really, really well. No match no match here on these two nights, I feel, has outstayed its welcome. It's finished at the right time, and um, I think every single wrestler has really benefited from that, from having the time to tell these little stories Um, throughout the matches because in the tournament you can sort of get caught up in there well it's just a tournament match you know the fighting for points but stardom have booked it so well that you've got little stories into either you've got little character developments you know going through especially these first two days and i hope they carry on uh, throughout the tournament but it's something i'm going to comment on especially with a couple of the bigger names in the tournament chris
1: yeah, um, I feel one match outside is welcome, and I'll get to that when we get to that. But for the most part, it's just been—it's very easy watching, like um, top to bottom, about including promos and entrances for about two hours. Uh, if you take out entrances and promos, you can probably get through them all in about 90 minutes, and like for two days. And it's amazing because that's one New Japan main event, and I come out of this feeling a lot more satisfied.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, god in his 90-minute matches. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> I, I, I won't say it either. Well, uh, we're going to talk about her because Jesus Christ, if if That's ever there was a breakout in this tournament, for me, it's her. Because, and we are we we should just mention here that originally it was due to be Saki Kashima who was in the Blue Stars sort of league or block, should I say. And um, unfortunately she had to pull out. Um, It was fairly vague as to why she pulled out. It just said that she wasn't healthy enough. So, you know, we send nothing but best wishes to Saki. We hope she gets better soon. Uh, In fact, it was only the previous podcast episode where I was full of praise for her for a working ring. So I hope she gets better soon, but that has given the opportunity to say Ida, who has of course taken up that mantle and is now in the Blue Stars um, sort of block and for me, has completely knocked it out of the park on both those opening matches. Um, But we'll get on to in a minute. Um, Before we get into the whole of, you know, reviewing the two nights, I just want to quickly recap what the five-star is for those those people who are listening and don't quite know what the five-star is, which is absolutely fine. Uh, The five-star Grand Prix, um, you'll get, quite a lot of people who just refer to it as stardom's g1 climax it's two blocks the blue stars and the red stars and each of those are a round robin block so every wrestler will wrestle everyone in that block with each of the winners from each block so with the winner from blue stars and the winner from red stars they will go head to head in the final to win the five star grand prix In the event, sorry, of tiebreakers, it will default to -to head-to-head results. Um, There are time limits, so it's 20-minute time limits for the block matches, with the final getting a limit of 30. And then points-wise, for a win, you get two points. Obviously, you get nothing for a loss. And for a draw, you get one point. Um, Ordinarily... Uh, the winner of the five-star will get a championship opportunity. It tends to be the World of Stardom championship. Um, so, yeah, it's a highly coveted tournament. It's Stardom's biggest tournament, and it's great fun. Really good fun, Chris. Before we go into the reviews, is there anything you want to add to that?
1: Um with no Arisa, so this year fucking
0: sucks. <laughs> um, I, yeah, if Arisa had um, been in this, I... I do think that they had very, very high hopes for her, but unfortunately, obviously, circumstances changed. Um, there are, you know, previous winners include Hanakamura. Um, I think Mayu's won it. Um, Mayu didn't cash it in. Mayu won and didn't cash it. That doesn't surprise me. Um, she probably forgot, um, which <laughs> seems <laughs> seems to be her character at the moment. <laughs> just to be just an absolute fool. Um, but yeah. It's a very prestigious tournament in terms of stardom. So with it, let's stop talking. Let's get into it because good God, I'm looking forward to talking about this. So from the 8th of August, which was night one from Corican Hall uh, in front of 445 we opened with Rina uh, defeating Hina with the Hydranger in 4 minutes and 31 seconds. We're not going to review the non-tournament matches because good grief we have got enough with the actual tournament matches to watch. So kicking straight in then. Uh, match 2 from the Red Stars block. So Starlight Kid in her first 5-star tournament uh, defeating Death Yamasan with the Kichan Bomb. At three minutes and thirty-one seconds. Chris, what did you think of this match?
1: Not much. It was a tad botchy in places, as is death like, which is typical in high-speed matches because you're know, they're going a million miles an hour. Um, but it was fine. it was that high-speed division match. I have no strong feelings towards it. I didn't take many notes, to be honest. It's like there's not you can't not all of them can be out of the park, which is just fine. But there's nothing there's nothing really to talk about
0: no i agree um i did notice however for the first time i think i've actually seen death yamasan's entrance video and it is just her slow headbanging with a guitar which is just it's the best absolutely fantastic um yeah just your standard high speed match i can see death yamasan playing a potential spoiler in that sort of yano role in that block um, when that will come in i don't know but yeah i can see that happening i just gave it four stars it, it was what it was but you can't really hide you know give a match that only went a shade over three minutes much more than that chris
1: yeah um
0: i agree with you Four out of
1: time just nothing special but nothing offensive apart and well depending um because definitely my does have death face but yeah
0: <laughs> Uh, we move on to the next match then which was of course from the blue stars group we had azumi defeating Saya Ida with the arm breaker at eight minutes and three seconds chris your opinion please
1: um azumi's been uh, really good although well, this match wasn't blow away but like he, she's against a rookie so you can't really expect that but yeah like azumi's flashy offensive offset well against Saya is sort of simple i'd say rookie-esque but like she sort of reminds me more of an Ishii than a rookie like she seems to take it all in a stride um but yeah like Azumi just sort of gets it like the way she just can sort of get into moves out of nowhere but having it still seem seamless that's harder than most people give um credit for like how Zack Sabre Jr for example he can go into random um submissions out of nowhere it's so, like it, doing that out of nowhere it is really hard, and when Azumi goes into an amber, half the time, you don't see it coming, so it's an art, but yeah, like she was basically just bumping around a rookie for this match, which is fine, but it, again, there's, there's not a ton to talk about with this one
0: either. <laughs> No, I, I enjoyed the cockiness and arrogance of Azumi to begin with. You know, she was very dismissive of Saeeda, as I suppose you would be of a rookie who wasn't even supposed to be in the tournament. But Saeeda, you know, she held her own with the strikes and things like that. And I enjoyed the chemistry that they had. You know, the the speed of Azumi and the sort of guerrilla power of Saeeda. I'm never going to not enjoy Azumi and the way she gets into those arm bars because every match, and we're going to get it, into this on night two. Every night she seems to have a different way of getting into this armbar. That Mystica where she just flips round sayida into the armbreaker is just absolutely phenomenal. She's on the cusp of being an absolute star. I mean, she's 17, and the match she has with Momo and the speed at which she wrestles is phenomenal. I see big things in her future. Yeah, sure. This match was a little bit botchy. I mean, there was one moment where. Azumi physically had to move Sayida in place by her hair which was you know quite entertaining. Um and then there was one moment where I think um Sayida dropped Azumi at one point, and There was a bit where they collided with the ropes and just things like that but overall it didn't impact the match for me. I I enjoyed the very simplistic story that they were telling. Azumi is arrogant, Sayida is the rookie, Sayida needs to prove herself which is probably going to be a theme throughout this entire tournament. But overall, a really enjoyable match. I gave it six stars, Chris.
1: Yeah, I gave it um, high five, low six. I have no real strong feelings towards it. Um, yeah, it's weird. I feel it's, I used to think Sireida was the best Sire, but like Tall has been improving at a higher rate. I guess like Sireida had a more solid base to build from. So Sairita, um Tol Sire getting better, faster makes sense because she's had to get up to that. It, it's, these are weird rambling thoughts. on only
0: just caught into my head right now. But... <laughs> <laughs> are we just getting this stream of consciousness of you?
1: Yeah, well, that's that's what this pod- podcast is. That's what you hired me for. It's like you never listened to the Ewing Alliance. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
0: let's move on then, so we move on to the next match, Red Star Block with Konami defeating Saya Kamatani with the triangle choke at 8 minutes and 6 seconds, Um, Chris what did you think of this Um, did you enjoy Konami absolutely brutalising poor Saya
1: yeah, I I kind of enjoy Saya getting beaten up I know that sounds mean but I kind of just do. It's something. It's one of the small pleasures I get out of life right now. And <laughs> Konami's like, my biggest problem with Konami is that she was, like, bland, but she's not. Any, like, as soon as um, Stardom came back, she's been great. I, she's been one of the highlights since coming back. And someone like Konami is someone who can sort of put on a great match with anyone just because of her style, how she wrestles. Like, kicks and submissions, anyone can be sort of forced to work that style. I, unless I decides not to sell, I'm still not over that. But yeah, this is probably the like first honest to god above average match in the five star, and it only gets better from here. But yeah, I just older people brutalizing younger people. I'll say it forever. That's why Eugene the gas is one of my favorites. <laughs> just, and but it's not dynamic you get often in the Stardom, but I like it here. I like rookies getting beaten up. So
0: um, I'm calling it now. Konami is absolutely turning in Yokohama, Yokohama during that match with wee the tie. There is absolutely no way she's not. The way she's carrying herself recently, the way that she literally tore her arm away from the referee when he was trying to put it up for the victory and just stormed off. There was no thrills. There was no frills. There was no posing to the crowd. She just walked off straight away. The way that she was almost psychopathically taking apart Saya, um, absolutely amazing. The strikes seemed crisp. I really enjoy the fact that she didn't finish it with the buzzsaw kick or the triangle lancer. It was something completely different that finished it. Um, so it people, oh, sorry, go on, Chris. I think more people should do that. I think more people should have, like... So, like That's what makes someone like
1: Walter or Timothy Thatcher so special is that they don't have one move that can put you away. Any of their moves can put you away completely randomly. And I've seen people try and argue that that makes finishing move less special. But, like, finishes are weird... When you think about it, it's weird that everyone has this one move that would always finish a match. You know what I mean? Like, it's something that can only really happen in wrestling. So, when you add that sort of tinge to it, which I think the Konami character can sort of pull off, it makes it, it makes that particular person stand out. And if anyone's going to do that in Stardom, I think Konami's it.
0: It shows adaptability. It's. It's something that really, really engages me in a match. And it's something that I want to talk about, actually, in the main event of night two. Um, the adaptability of wrestlers and the, the the ability to adapt to a situation, to certain situations. Um, speaking of Sae, you know, we've talked about a load. She's, she's improving every match. She does still need to learn to sell. I mean, in the moment when she's actually been brutalized, you know, we've got the screaming. She's selling great. She's selling beautifully. But then, as you know, no sooner has she stopped selling the completely brutal assault of Konami that she's, you know, she's doing handstands and handsprings and drop kicks and things like that. And there's just little bits like that that she needs to improve. And again, she's still technically just above a rookie, so she has got Rookie's time. A
1: She's only been she's only been in front of a crowd for like um, since November.
0: Exactly, she's got loads and loads of time. Um, again, overall, it didn't particularly take me out of the match much because if I'm being perfectly honest, I was too busy watching Cohen Army and the fact that she was, like, say, completely battering Zaya without really blinking, which is a little bit scary. You know, a little bit insane, crazy person, but. I love it. And if that's the direction we're going with Konami, which it looks like it's a very different direction than Jungle Kiona's going, I'm all for that. Because yeah, cause Konami's winning. <laughs> because all because brutal Konami is best Konami. Um, six stars, Chris, again. Yeah, six out of ten. I think that's going to be Tarsai like is...
1: Ceiling, unless she's going up against someone like Starlight, who's not going to be targeting a limb, but everyone else tends to target limbs. So. Yeah. Which is not for someone who hasn't learned how to sell yet.
0: And again, that might that might seem like a lowish grade. It's not. It's above it's above half marks. You know, it's it's a melt at two and a half stars. It, she's standard. And I think for where Sire is now, that's perfect. That's where she needs to be. be. You know, because much as it would be a complete shock, she's not winning the five star, is she? Let's be bloody honest. But Well Who knows? <laughs> who knows in this crazy world? Eagle is the I double mean, champion. I'm-
1: I mean, like, two of the two leaders of. Um, the leader of red stars and the leader of blue stars are rookies.
0: So. Well, yeah, we're going to get into that in a minute. And actually, that's a lovely transition, Chris. Let's move on to the next match Blue Stars with Micah defeating Momo Watanabe with the Katahajima. Yes, I practiced saying that and I've probably said it wrong, so I apologise. At 8 minutes and 12 seconds. The first real shock of the five-star Grand Prix 2020, Chris?
1: Yeah. Um, I think Momo getting choked out was a good idea because, one, it makes her seem vulnerable, which is always a good dynamic to have going in. Think Jay White and Naito in the G1 last year. Um, Micah needed a big win, and Momo is objectively one of the biggest wins she could have gotten. I don't think she could have got a bigger win in her block.
0: Then Momo. Not when Momo is tipped as many people's pick for the actual entire tournament. Um, But,
1: like, getting choked out, yeah, because how many people try and choke you out in Stardom is basically just her and um, Konami. So, like, that makes sense. That's not something you can always... I just for, um, other than that, it was basically their match from um last month, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it was a good match. Um, Momo delivers bombs like no one else, which is great. Um, and I think Momo losing here will have give her an axe to grind after the five star, which is good. I like getting direction before that, but although I think she's going to have more more of a feud with Shiri, because that's been built up in tags, but also Yeah, we d- guess it's too early to pick where things are going. But um losing to a rookie does leave room for matches outside the five star, which again can only be good for Micah because it'll
0: help him get better. Um we talk quite a lot about how the promos at the start of these things are often Throw away, but are sometimes very very important and it helps that stardom world has them translated into english um you knew micah was winning when she dedicated the match to her nephew for his first birthday because if she did that and then lost that's a bit of a dickhead move from
1: um, from
0: stardom (laughs) (laughs) this is for your first birthday a big loss at the hands of momo are you
1: telling me that's for the that's the key to um, just suddenly Mike is going to have about 10 cousins all of which were born just so happened to have been born a year to the day before her all
0: her five star matches 100% yes she's going to dedicate every match going forward to one of her nephews
1: it's like that one guy in every office who has like five
0: grandmas who have died (laughs) because they want to get a day off work oh we've all used that Yeah, we've all used that Um, but it wasn't actually the Mike promo (laughs) I wanted to talk about um, it's the Momo one because the way Momo conducted herself you know she was slouched back in her seat you know she talked about how you know it's not gonna be difficult to have already beaten Micah literally a few days ago That's that was literally her promo and that complacency mm. was wonderful because for a start Micah came out of like a house on fire in this match which was something Momo was not expecting Momo thought she had it won with the double knees from the top rope which beat Micah at Corican last, what last month, but mm-hmm. this time Micah kicks out, and you could see that Momo was getting rattled. The more that Micah hit her, the more that Momo couldn't swing the momentum you you saw Momo in a more desperate state, and this win for Micah not only does it legitimize Mika, you know she's the future of Stardom Champion, you know she is the future, she shouldn't be beating Momo Watanabe, who is very much in the upper echelon of the stardom roster. You know, it's great for her. It's wonderful for her. And it's a shot in the arm that Momo needs going <coughs> into the tournament because she's got some fucking difficult matches coming up. She's got Jungle Kiona on the final day. She's got Utami. She's still got Suri. You know, she's got some really, really difficult matches. So this was, for me, a really, really good result. Not a result I predicted and it spoiled my pickums. but, yeah, a really, really, really good match. Um, it-
1: I only ever fill out pick'ems for um, round robins when I'm drunk. Because, like, quite frankly, you're as likely to win that way. <laughs> that way than anything else.
0: Well, at the moment, and yes, I am calling out at Niagara Driver 93. Niagara Driver, I am fucking coming for you because we are joint fifth at the moment and the Voices of Wrestling starred in five-star Grand Prix pick'ems. I am coming for you, Niagara Driver. Um, I didn't...
1: I didn't enter, but me and Robert Collective, yeah, Niagara driver, you prick. <laughs>
0: You're just tagging on to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I didn't, I did I didn't fill that out in time. So I'm
0: just <laughs> your, your picks are my picks. Fuck you, Niagara driver. We love you, Niagara <laughs> driver. Legitimately, you are amazing. Um. Anyway, let's move on then, because I gave that six, Chris. What did you give that?
1: Um, I gave that high six or seven. I think that I, I did really like this. I think the um shock of um Michael winning so gave it an edge to their one last month I do wish um you mentioned the um cockiness in the promo I kind of wish that translated oh. to a entrance which it didn't really like um I, I'm gonna bring this up well, this match up as much as I can can for the rest of the year until you watch it but Suama well, versus no, is Kenta Miharo Kenta came out and like you could just see how cocky he was, because, of course, Swammer wasn't going to beat him. I think if that was going to be the story, she should have got that across during her entrance because the people in the crowd won't have seen the promo.
0: Ooh, Kento. Love you, Kento. Right. I,
1: I do. I don't know why you mock me. You're no such
0: bugs. a Kento Miyahara mark. I don't make... I don't pretend that I'm not. How, how can you give Tall Sire grief for not selling? and then Kento was... o- just openly gush about Kento Miyahara. Kento Miyahara's got a lot better at his selling. He had to,
1: to be fair. He <laughs> didn't, didn't have much choice, mate. He, d- he did have to, but I, I don't know. Like, I think Kento's is less egregious than fucking a million somersaults after getting your arm worked
0: over. Admittedly, that was a bit steep, yes. Let's move on then. Match six was another match from the Blue Stars block with Suri defeating Natsuka at 13 minutes and 21 seconds with a buzz kick. And Chris, we had the return, a surprise return in this match. I don't know if you noticed. Um, it was the return of Screamy Suri. God, I haven't missed her. <laughs> God,
1: the you think she's bad tonight um that night you should see her in the fucking jungle match the next day but yeah um to be honest i did not know it's screamy shiri until you pointed it out <laughs> and now i can't not notice it so thanks for that <laughs> you, you you have adversely affected my enjoyment of one of the best wrestlers on the stardom roster
0: yeah, I, I will just tag on to that that, that both of Suri's matches are two of the better matches. Um, I, Much as I've openly, openly dissed Tie and Natsukatora, I thought she was really good here. There was minimal chain bullshit. Um, she did do a rather ill-advised top rope leg drop with the chain wrapped around the leg, which, so you know, kudos for trying something new, but... That looked that a little bit ridiculous, especially as the but, chain instantly fell down as she went for the jump. So a little bit of nonsense was, there, but...
1: It was something different, but, like, in the same sense, if you have a row of spoons and one of them's bent, like, just because you're different doesn't mean you're good.
0: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we have been crying out for a of Tire to try something different. So the fact that we had literally very, very little nonsense is yeah. something.
1: Um, I think um, what Torres should have been wasn't realised for the next night, but we'll get to that. Uh, I think the brawler um, aspect of Torres' character, offset re- really well against the sort of submission, kick-heavy um, Shiori one, so I think like it was, it was a nice little mit- um, mismatch, nothing blow-away. But like, yeah, Shiori was obviously the better part of this match, but I think... Shuri has a favourite to go far, if not, um, when um, going to the finals. I think Tora makes the perfect obstacle, because, like, yeah, she could probably beat anyone. She just doesn't because she's stupid. Again, we'll go on to that in um two. But, yeah, again, minimal bollocks, and it turned out to be good. Who, who knew the Natsuko Tora was a good wrestler? We all kind of knew it. But, yeah, one problem here is, like, none of Tora's offence really popped. Like, it was all fine, but, like, her offence never really popped.
0: No. The offence, the offensive manoeuvres that she do, does that pop, she does against Utami, and, mean, like I say, we're going to get into that match. But here, you know, it was, it was basic, but I enjoyed the fact that we weren't relying on the chain and ref bumps and all sorts of nonsense. Um, I agree with you. <clears throat> I think Siori's going deep. I can see Siori being in the mix on that last night. Um... I don't think she's winning it. And the only reason I say she's not winning it is because she's got a championship match with Mayu in Yokohama on the 22nd, I think. So, you know, I I just, I don't see that coming to be perfectly honest. Um, But all in all, a good match, you know, the biggest pop of the match was Suri taking Torres out off with that buzzsaw kick, which got a massive pop. Um, I gave it six. It was, it was it was good. It's not going to be breaking anyone's match of the year contender. It was it was there. It did a job, and it's put Siori over, as does the match the next night as a legitimate contender in this tournament.
1: Yeah, um, let's put it over. And again, if we can get uh, nowadays, if we can get a passable
0: match out of Tora, you're my hero. So, <laughs> um, match seven, uh, we have got Red Star's action with Himika defeating Tam Nakano at 16 minutes and 17 seconds with the running powerbomb. One of the best things that this tournament has done so far is solidify Himika as a real legitimate threat.
1: Yeah, um, again, I think we're doing this early to either as a spoiler later on because I don't think she's gonna go too incredibly far but like her leading this early on is sort of good and the
0: same way with yano leading early on last year <laughs> are you comparing him to toriano
1: yeah but like she defeated both her faction leader and next night spoilers um and she defeated a proper contender here so in terms of establishing her she's well established now. It's sort kind of like... Um, sorry, I'm going to draw my um, G1 comparison has been five-star because this is only my second five-star. But um, Ishii in G1 20... Whatever his first one was, it was like 22, 23. Uh, not, yeah, 22, 23. And he beat Tanahashi and Shibata in his first two nights. Mm. Which sort of solidified him and then he went on to leave his block. But yeah... Um, this is good like Tam chopping down Himika was really good and then it was basically just brute strength versus experience, which is always a fun little story to be had. but yeah I don't I feel like Tam didn't wasn't fully on it here like if, which I don't mean in terms of effort. I mean just there was something missing for Tam here and I'm not quite sure what it was because it was very of an excellent but yeah this is this is good. This is really really good actually. like again the story of tra- Tam trying to bring himika down to her size. <laughs> It's sort of perfect for the two characters. And, of course, Tam couldn't put Himika away because Tam can't pick her up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Himika started by saying that Tam is not the cutest in the universe and in the ring she's going to make her look like the worst in the universe. Well, snap. Absolutely. Some sass there from Himika. Um, I really enjoyed the chemistry between these two. I thought Himika... Before this match, because obviously we've seen a little bit of singles action, but it's mainly been in uh, eight woman tags. We've seen her as almost a bodyguard, that sort of role, and here we've seen her as so much more. I mean, in this match alone, she's just she's looking to work the back of Tam Nakano and you know though Tam's selling is a little bit inconsistent you know she can't then bridge for the tiger suplex so it paints Himika as an intelligent fighter not just you know this behemoth in the division that you you know you can't pick up you can't slam you've got to try and grind down you know and that makes her so much more of a threat you know She's not only throwing bombs, but she knows what she's doing. She's thinking about it. She's got a game plan. That's fucking terrifying. Um, you're right, there were a few whiff spots. There was one where Tam came off the top rope with a knee and just missed entirely, but bless Himika for <laughs> trying to sell it. Um, again, and I will say this in the next match as well, I will never not be invested in a Himika match because of the facials she emotes so fucking well you are so you know she feels everything she is so invested in her matches that you just you know no matter how badly they come off or how well they come off you can tell that she is into it she is trying to tell a story and i absolutely love that um as i said before i think tam is a great opponent for him someone who bump circles for her and make her look great um i gave it seven because not only did it cement Himmica as a force to be reckoned with, um, you know, sort of build that platform for Night 2, um, but it also, you know, it told a little bit of a story. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Um, I give it to Heaven too. I do think um, Himmica very much looks like she's trying to tell a story, but sometimes, like, especially in the match for the next night, she sort of smiles too much, especially doing her entrance like she doesn't have it down pat which makes sense because she's still in essence a rookie so like i'm not calling her on that that's just an error i think she can improve like she's clearly trying but she could she just need... she isn't her trying is not the issue she just needs to learn to get better which she will because most people get better under stardom so
0: yeah absolutely um do you mind if i go first on this next match just cause i've got some uh-huh. thoughts um, okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, it was just polite of me to ask because I'm British. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so match eight then, uh, the semi-main event of the night, the Blue Stars match of Utami Hayashishita defeating Jungle Kiona at 14 minutes and 38 seconds with the German suplex. Now, I absolutely loved this match because you've got this real... Story with Jungle, her desperation to prove herself in the face of everything that has happened, the way she signed off on that defeat to Meiu, you know, that whole I am worthless, I am useless, you know, I'm not worthy to be here, and that's obviously her mindset. Um, she then it was compounded by the loss to Utami and sire for the tag straps at Corikan. Um you know, she the look of panic on her face every time Yutani hit a signature move um, because she just did not want to lose. You know, trying out new things to try and change the, her look by, you know, that horrible fucking power bomb on the apron which Yutani looked like she took all on her shoulders. Um, grabbing the ref when she was hit with a torture rack, Brom. You know, she wouldn't have done that in Nagoya. But, you know, she... She does not want to lose. She does not want to continue to feel like this failure she's been made to feel like. But it's not enough. She loses again. And this story time, this frustration at the loss, she's punching the match. She's so frustrated at herself that this this entire evolution of Jungle is compelling. It really, really is. And for me, it's one of the most compelling things in this five star. And I can't wait to see it manifest after Yokohama. Because, you know, as we record, it's the 17th, and I believe the first day of Yokohama is the 22nd. Once we've got the five-star post-Yokohama, and once we've got a clear idea of, you know, what Tokyo Cyber Squad is doing and how that affects the members of Tokyo Cyber Squad, I think we're going to see an even bigger story arc for Jungle.
1: Yeah, I also love this match, um, not only for the Jungle um, reasons you gave for Tammy was a fucking star in this match. Like she was an absolute brute. Holy fuck! Like um, <laughs> carrying around jungle, like she weighs nothing. Like literally, like she weighs nothing. Like people say that a lot in wrestling, but like here, it actually felt like that. She was like walking around in the deadlift German position, and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Like, stop it. Stop it. She's already dead. Um, we had a buckle bomb fairly early on here, which... Ouch. <laughs> now, yeah, this is just my kind of match. I, I love a good horse match, me. And, like, in She Done, this is about This is about what a horse match would be. And, ah, uh, um, there was a fighting spirit German spot, which I'm always up for. Like, just keep getting up and throwing each other around. It's kind of just what I like in wrestling. Um, seriously. Like I can't put over Itami's strength enough here because her and Jungle are roughly the same size, and she, again she's pulling around like she's nothing. Like like she's absolutely nothing. I can as uh, I kind of wish um, Jungle Itami were in the same block as Himika just because I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see Itami lift Himika
0: around like she's nothing. It would it would be very very impressive. Um, she's. I feel like she's going to do well in this tournament, Utami, And I feel like she's another one that's got really, really big things in store. I mean, for me, she's a future World of Stardom champion. There's just... There's no way that she isn't. She's got the look. She's got the charisma. You know, you believe every word she says. She's not... You know, she's no... She's not exactly, thr- you know, frills in her offense, but she's just an absolute bruiser, oh. and it works so well. Like you said, that spot where they were just literally tossing each other over their heads was beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah, um, but I, I'm I feel so sorry for Jungle right now because they're having a bit of a redemption act, but like just based on her history, I can't help but feeling like it might go nowhere and she'll just keep losing. <laughs>
0: jungle is this? Yeah.
1: Oh, I hope not.
0: (laughs) I really, really hope not. Do you really think that's what's going to happen? Just no story, she just keeps losing? That
1: could be... You never know.
0: Like, they might end up deciding, like, okay, we have nowhere to go, because
1: I I don't know how popular she is in Japan. I don't know she's incredibly popular over here. Although, her match on the second night was probably the loudest of both nights.
0: You see, I... Uh, you're probably right (laughs) yeah I just think they've done so much work with Jungle here you know and again the story that they were telling in the ring you know the way that she's desperate she's trying new things you know the way that that Mayu loss especially affected her To then just throw it away would be really really sad yeah because that
1: promo still gets me
0: it's oh heartbreaking. God. Heartbreaking. Yeah.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe. I'm trying to think when we're through because that's when we look when we talk about like redemption acts in like New Japan or WWE or ba- basically anywhere, there's always like, well, there's the big show on the horizon. So like Mania, Kingdom, uh, mm. I guess Double or Nothing if it's AEW, etc. A takeover of it's um, NXT, and Stardom doesn't really have that. Like big sort of, with the exception of this Budokan show, which is basically just because they need a uh, big crowd um, or being socially distanced, they don't. They they only ever run Cork, so it's like no end goal. It, it's it's weird. So it's, it makes it harder to call, which a makes it more exciting, but b also makes it harder to write, which makes me think we could possibly give up.
0: <laughs> Positivity, Chris. They're not going to do that. Positivity. <laughs> We're a positive. We're a positive podcast. We are. We are gonna be positive. <laughs> anyway, um,
1: but yeah, this is probably this is definitely match of night one for me. Um, this is just great. This is what I want. And I didn't. I, I literally did not realize until the second day that um, there was a fifteen-minute time. Um, there was a twenty-minute time limit this year because um, I. This match felt. Short, like this match didn't feel long, but it went over 15th. This and all oh, the better for it. High eight for me, great, great stuff.
0: Agree with you completely. Eight stars, and yeah, for me, it was match of the night as well. Um, storytelling and for both, both workers in ring performance. So let's move on to the main event of night one, then which saw the red stars action. Sorry, I've put RS and I couldn't work out what RS was then. Um, red <laughs> stars action, Julia. Board De- focus. <laughs> Defeating Mayu Iwatani at 17 minutes and 28 seconds with the glorious Driver Two, um, Chris, talk to me.
1: Um, so how are you feeling, Rob? Um, uh, no. <laughs> um, so Julie versus Mayu, um, champion versus champion. Obviously, that's about as far as my thoughts on this match went. It was really good. It's like a standard, um, almost standard main event. Um. One of Julia's better matches, not one of May's, well. Because um, May, just she can't miss this year. The only bad match, uh, well, not even bad, the only like sub-great match she's singles match she's had all year is against Saki. And that's because it was that like, no-people game. So, yeah, just, this is really good stuff. Um, both women throwing bombs at each other. Like, it had the aura of a champion versus champion match. And having sort of, in kayfabe, the Leicester champion go over... Helps solidify them. Helps keep a block more open if May was going to win the next night. So, yeah, I, I did really like it. I really like one of the highest um, backdrops I've seen all year. Yeah. Like, there was a backdrop in Julia and May got so much height on it, but I thought she died, which happens at least once every May match. <laughs> but as in like, looking like May died, not the back to driver. But yeah, like Julia played her role as sort of a big, um, imposing secondary champion going up against the ace figure in May. So yeah, I've no real complaints about it. Apart from I'm not, I, I still, I'm still not feeling any charisma from Julia. Like she just, she eludes nothing. It's like when someone asked me what I think of shelves they built and I'm like, what sort of emotion am I meant to put on a shelf? You know what I mean? Like it's a fucking shelf. That's but that, that's what Julia is continuously is for me. Like I think she needs to be somewhere in there. Every time she's in there with someone special, like Mayu is, it's really good. But I as a main person I'm not feeling Julia, which I'll get onto more on the second night.
0: I think we have differing feelings about that. Um oh, yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> I feel there's a real arrogance about Julia at the moment and I've seen from quite a few sources that, you know, people feeling that she's being overpushed and things like that, but if Julia's leaning into that, you know, that arrogance, that self-entitled nature, you know, I think it works. I think it works brilliantly. I mean, the arrogance here she had against the champion, she had no respect for Mayu whatsoever. She didn't see her as a rival, as any sort of threat to Julia. And, you know, there was no handshake. It was just another Opponent, you know, shushing the crowd when they were getting too loud. That swagger that she's got, and she has certainly evolved into this character as the days, you know, the months have gone on. I don't think it's something she had to begin with, but I'm certainly seeing it more now. And especially for me, after the main event of Night 2, which I know you disagree with, but she's not the complete package yet. I'm not saying that. I don't think she is. And I agree with you. If she isn't in the ring with someone special, You know, you look at her best matches and her best matches are Tam, Mayu, and Hannah. You know, And Hannah was because the two brawled and that was what both of them are good at. You need, at the moment, she needs someone not to lead her. I don't think it's a case of that. I just think it's someone to bounce off, someone to...
1: I think it's because in her current guise, she's better as an obstacle than she is as the attraction. I'm not saying the potential not there. She's mega young still, but like in a current, like I'd rather, th- in, like in, in this match, who's was most interesting. It was Mae. in her, in the Hannah match, who's was more interesting. It was Hannah in the Tam match. who's was more interesting. It was Tam. So Julia right now is an obstacle for a baby face to overcome, which is fine. Cause that's sort of how she's being positioned. But like every time it's up to her to live or die, she sort of doesn't, like sink or swim, she sinks.
0: I don't think there's been enough poor Julia moments to say that she sinks. I am not think
1: I don't think it's poor. I'm saying she can be bland, extremely fucking bland. I think part of my aversion to her is because Julia fans are some of the most annoying people this side of NXT fans. Like. They get, they get like, really passionate if, if anyone even remotely criticises them. And that sort of makes me, like, just not want to approach her with a 10-foot pole. And, like, that's not her fault. But, like, a bad fandom can undoubtedly affect your enjoyment of a product, like, look like, at
0: Star Wars, so... Yeah, but you certainly can't tar every single Julia fan with that brush.
1: No, I can't tar every Julia fan in the, um, with that brush, and it's definitely not all Julia fans. It's a very, very vocal, very, very fucking annoying minority.
0: See, I think she has improved. I think she has got the charisma. I don't find her as bland as you do. Don't get me wrong, she's (laughs) certainly still not one of my favorite wrestlers. um, But I think there is enough there. There's enough of an evolution there for her to be a top person for her to be a champion. And I, I do buy her as a champion. I do. I think she carries herself like a champion. I think she's got oh. to improve slightly in the ring, certainly. Okay, fine. I think she's got room to improve in her character. Fine, certainly. You know, I don't think, as I said before, I don't think she is the perfect package. I don't think she's the full package. But she is getting there and she's taking strides to get there. And I think she's confident In herself, and that confidence is going to help her to move to the next step. I'm definitely not saying she's bad because no, I know you're not. I know you're not.
1: Um, like, especially compared to when she came in and like she was laying eggs with Hazuki and Kagetsu, like, those matches just did not live up to any sort of hype. But, um, so like, she's went from having consistently having six out of tens with special people to having ten, um, eight out of tens with special people. So, I'm she definitely is getting better, but also, yeah, I don't like for where she is on the card. I feel like they're putting her in a place in the card based on what she could be rather than what she currently is, especially given that main event on
0: night two, yeah, which we'll get to. We're, we're going to have very different opinions of that. Um, <clears throat> I did enjoy this match for White's Worth. Um, you know, there was a great back and forth between the pair um especially that closing sequence and Mayu attempting to just go that little bit too far in her you know in her passion to beat julia you know she attempts to go for that moonsault when she could have just hit the two-stage dragon and be done with it but instead she goes for the moonsault as well on top of all the other offense she delivered to julia julia scouts it It ends up costing Mayu. um Julia, though, she hits one glorious driver and then realises that she's going to have to do something completely different. Brings out a variation of the glorious driver next to win the match. Um, I don't think this classes is as an upset because I think almost all of us, and I'd say us as Stardom fans, saw Julia beating Mayu. I don't think anyone had Mayu to win. Mayu, by the way, who has lost her last five opening days of the five-star She's like Tanahashi in Vegu One. She, yeah, she really is. A terrible opening day record. Every <laughs> everyone must get the record, the like the uh, the schedule, and just look at it. and Go, please tell me I got May on the first day. Please tell me. Oh, I haven't got it till the final day. Shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I thought this was great. I thought they told a decent enough story. Um. <laughs> I thought, you know, Mayu's over-exuberance, co- costing her place perfectly into a character, Julia being cold, calculated, arrogant. I think that plays right into her wheelhouse. And turned into a, again, I hate to keep using the same word, turned into a compelling match-up. Um, yeah, overall, I gave it eight stars. Yeah,
1: Um Love to mid-eight. Just saw really, really great stuff from both girls. Just yeah my, my rant for Julie is just going to always be vast <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's fine i thought the intensity was great in this match one thing i will say um chris i i you know i i don't agree with your opinion that she's bland but you know that's your opinion i'm wrong going to say you're wrong obviously one thing i will say is <clears throat> and i think it was just in this match because i didn't see it so much in the himica match i found her selling in this match to be almost cartoonish she was really, really over-the-top selling and almost pandering to the crowd with it. And, you know, she didn't do it in the Himmica match, but I really, really noticed it here. Proper over-the-top sells and then just randomly not selling things and things like that. And once I noticed it, it, it was really annoying, and it was something I was going to bring up and, you know, have, be like, oh, sell things. But, you know, like I said, I don't think she did it too much against Himika. It was just, it was something I was like, it's a bit of a strange, a bit of a strange way to go about things, because I've never seen Julia selling as a real issue. In fact, I, you know, complimented her on it um, in the match against Tam, where Tam pretty much tore her knee apart. I just, I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was the facials or the over-the-top, arm movements or what it was but I found her selling to be really, really over the top in this match.
1: Maybe a favourite match is Hulk Hogan with Shawn Michaels.
0: <laughs> what does Brian ain call it? Like watching an octopus in a washing machine? <laughs> um, post-match... Sorry, go on just before I carry on. Like- Like watching a salmon. (laughs) Um, Post-match, all of DDM are out. Of course, all DDM have got 100% record at this point. Julia says that they should continue with their 100% record until Suri, being apparently the mischief maker of DDM, points out that they can't all be 100% because both Himika and Julia face each other in night two. Himika wishes her good luck sarcastically. And that is the end of that. And this, you know, this was another point that you realise just how well they have built Himika. And I think it helps that Himika is quite confident on the microphone when she delivers that promo at the end of night two. It's really quite articulate and confident and well enunciated. You know, a buyer is certainly not top of the card talent, certainly not yet, but she's stronger than I thought she was in that area. Yeah, like again, him current guys, and I
1: don't, um, I, I think it might be her ceiling just because of where she's been pegged on the card, but like, as an obstacle, she's absolutely perfect. Overall, Chris, what were your opinions of night one? I really enjoyed night one. Again, like, no match was, I think only the opening match could be, remotely be considered bad, and even then, I think that was just like below lower end of average. Everything else was good to great. And it all flew by because none of the matches outstayed their welcome. Again, the fact that there wasn't, that there was fucking eight single matches on the card didn't tire me out. Which, and like literally anything else, it would tire me out. I would watch this in like two or three sittings, but I watched this in one sitting, and it was fairly comfortable. So,
0: yeah, completely. Um, there wasn't anything on this card that I think will touch anyone's match of the year. Um, come the end of the year, but overall really 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 solid card really really good match I think everyone delivered i think the match talking about starlight kid versus death you know it was three minutes long it was completely inoffensive did a job um but yeah overall most people have got little stories to play with um the right people won and um, the booking was really good and we had the you know those token surprises with micah defeating momo i'm really sorry by the way if i keep hiccuping i've got it, and I think it's gone down the wrong hole, so i will keep hiccuping. So if you do hear that through the microphone or a burp, I really apologize. I can't control it. Um anyway, let's move on to night two. Um from the 9th of August the following day again from Corrigan Hall, in front of a slightly less um sorry, sorry, slightly lower attendance of four hundred and two people. However, I don't know if you notice this, Chris. But Jushin Thunder Liger was in attendance. Yeah, I noticed basically we showed up during the Mega vs. Sairi the match. Oh, did they? Oh, I noticed him at the start. I didn't notice that. Um, oh, bloody hell. Never mind. Um, so the opening match, which again we're not going to review because neither of us watched it, and it was a non-tournament match, was the Queen's Quest team of Saya, Kamatani, and Wina defeated the Tokyo Cyber Squad team of Death Yamasan and Hina at five minutes and fifteen seconds, with Saya getting the pinfall with the running shooting star press, which is still looks good, still terrifies me me because she is such a tall girl and she gets such a low trajectory really panics me every time I see it
1: question why did why didn't we just have Ria and Hina fight and then have
0: this tournament match well there was supposed to be five tournament matches uh, four tournament matches I apologise on the 15th of August Um, but unfortunately um, they had to cancel the show two matches in um, because I believe someone who is not part of the group at the moment, the sort of staff for the tournament, um, has tested positive for COVID. So uh. whoever that is, um, we hope you obviously get very well soon. Um, but that's why, because they were supposed to have another show in Osaka, um, and they couldn't because of the COVID test. But. Yeah, okay. So, first, first, first match. First match, Blue Stars with Mika defeating Saya at 7 minutes and 19 seconds with the cross-arm buster. Chris, what did you think of this match?
1: It was like the rookie version of an Ishii versus Suzuki match of your fairly well-trained um, sheep fighter against your brute, and it was fine. Like nothing overtly bad, nothing overtly good. Um, I did enjoy the um surfboard stretch in front of Liger because it cut to Liger, he didn't react, he was just sort of sitting there. <laughs> but it that happened and it was nice, But gives this match a slightly above average grade. But like, other than that, I have nothing I really enjoyed. Um, like, overtly enjoyed. I do enjoy Sire to just at, sort of. Powering into strikes—that's something I'm always going to be into. And both both girls are, of course, just getting better through getting like constant singles matches. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing like where they end up at the end of this tournament. Because Rob, I'm doing what I did did when I rewatched the G1 last year, and I'm keeping um, notes of all my scores so I can do averages throughout the tournament. <laughs>
0: So look forward to that on episode two of our Grand Prix review Math. later on in the month. <laughs> Christmas. Um, Sayurida delivering possibly the best pre-match promo, which was verbatim, I'm definitely beating Micah today. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Um, that was Simple. literally it. point. Didn't bury her opponent, but also didn't put her opponent over. Perfect
0: promo. <laughs> um, my notes literally consisted of, sometimes matches don't need to be complicated. Let's just see who can hit who the hardest. And that was what it was. Micah's chest was explosive red. It was great. Saya Ida consistently, consistently improving. And she's she's so likable. And you can't help but root for her. Um yeah, really, really enjoyed this match. The finish came a little bit out of nowhere, um, but I'm not gonna have that affect my score. I think I enjoyed this slightly more than you did, Chris, but I enjoyed people hitting each other very hard. So I actually gave it seven. Oh, that is quite high. I gave it a five. <laughs> oh wow. Oh. Well, in that case, you know what happens then, Chris. Because we are a democracy, that does mean it's given a six.
1: Imagine that's how democracy works. It's like, well, we have an equal amount of votes for the far right and the far left, so Liberal Democrats welcome to that.
0: <laughs> Life would just be a lot better, wouldn't it? Let's be perfectly honest. What, with the lead debt? Let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did that once, and uh, look what the fuck happened. We promise we'll abolish all, all tuition fees. Actually, scrub that. We're going to put them up by six grand. You fucking We're what?
1: Quite- to be fair Scotland doesn't have um Scotland the Scottish government paid for my tuition fees so
0: fuck off um anyway <laughs> match 3 and i believe both me and you think this might be the sleeper hit of the opening two days uh, red star action with meiwe retani defeating stablemate starlight kid at 13 minutes and 33 seconds with the modified dragon sleeper jesus christ chris this was fucking great yeah, this match fucked.
1: Um, but like, I have one complaint about May's rare botch. She doesn't normally botch, well, she does normally botch, but she normally finds a way to make it not look like a botch, but very sloppy start for May here. But after that, yeah, it's just really good. So, some highlights included one of the most natural setups with a 619 I've ever seen in my life.
0: It did work really, really well, didn't it?
1: Yeah, how often does that happen? Like you were complaining about six one nine on a podcast recently, and sort of like, yeah, this just was natural. I somehow manage it. Um, Starlight kept baiting in May, which is not a game Starlight normally plays. Like how she baited her in for the apron DDT, which was, ouch. Like this sort of took away Starlight's biggest problem, which is weak looking offense, because Mayu could make
0: anything look good. True true she can
1: yeah so like even if it was weak on kids part you wouldn't notice it because may is going to go out her way to make it look like it she was shot so everything worked fine Crossbody to be outside always a fan of that um yeah it's it's just a solid match like literally it's, it doesn't feel like a term it just feels like a solid match with starlight trying to prove it so, you Not know no it really reminded me of was um, Jumbo Sharuta versus Tiger Mask 2 because um, Starlight obviously came in with a game plan but she isn't quite talent. she's not quite experienced enough to pull it off properly which is how Mayu ended up catching her out because Mayu basically brute forced her way into winning this match, she kept dropping Starlight on her head and then um, choked her out basically so.
0: I don't know what Mayu had been smoking before the actual <laughs> match um the first two yeah. or three minutes she was all over shop um you know she missed the springboard by just literally just going through the ropes and then she fell over whilst trying to lock in a boston crab but it sort of played into the story i mean the first thing we need to note of this entire match is it was it was no fluke that mayu lost to julia um and the pre match promo uh, sort of give us a little bit of a clue to this it was actually because may just completely forgot to attach the tail to her costume um <coughs> before her match with julia so that's that's probably why uh, may lost um in all seriousness of that she she mentions that this is going to be good for kids development Mayu doesn't see this as you know a challenge it's an exercise it's a development for starlight she still sees starlight as a protege a sidekick you know she's not you know lovely as mayu is and you know she gives off that persona you know she doesn't see starlight on the level of mayu similarly to how io shirai didn't see mayu on Eos' level um she really really made starlight up her game and I think, you know, those botches and things, they sort of play into the fact that May wasn't taking this match seriously at all, at least not to begin with. Um, you know, there was moments where the t- kicks to the back of Starlight Kid, also while May was laughing, by the way, which makes you hate her a little less, but literally smashing the back out of Starlight, and Starlight does have to up her game from this point. You know, you got the Spike DDT on the apron through the ropes, which looked amazing. Starlight delivering an absolutely amazing tornado DDT, and you know, once we got that, May upped her game as well and was determined to win. And as you mentioned, Chris, completely brute force her way into winning. And Starlight actually got a little bit. A little bit pissy, for lack of a better word. She stood on Mayo as she went to go and deliver that second rope moonsault. You know, and she actually looked back, so it was definitely on purpose. So, you know, there's that little bit of an edge developing for Starlight. Um, there was a lovely, one of the most natural sort of transitions into. How can I describe it? So, Starlight's going for the Keychan bomb. Rolls onto the back of Mayu, who literally just catches her and sort of works it into an inverted Alabama slam and just throws her onto the ground. It's amazing. Amazing. We then get a moment where uh, Starlight is trying to roll out of the two-stage dragon suplex. Um, Mayu gets a back up, and then she does go for the keycham bomb and drops Mayu right on her neck. Right on her...
1: Oh, my God. Oh. Mayu... May will kill herself to make you look good.
0: Honestly, though, there was a moment, and you can tell it's messed her up because she's lying on her back and she's looking at her hand and moving her fingers. How that didn't do more damage. I've got. It reminded me. It reminded me horribly forcefully of the way Takahashi sort of got his neck stuck and sort of mm-hmm. that's how it reminded of, of that phoenix plex from dragon lee that's what it sort of reminded me of and it was just oh my god i i was like oh my god we can't lose mayu no thankfully we didn't um and eventually mayu does win with the modified dragon but i did really 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 enjoy this match and all the little moving parts that went with it i enjoyed an edgier starlight kid as well, you know, the fact that she had to step up a game because May was literally having none of it. You know, either you step up to me or I'm going to kick the shit into you, friend. If
1: she's, if she's an edgiest star-like kid, does that make a Starlight
0: team? <laughs> yes, I suppose it does. Um, I give this eight. I thought this was absolutely banging. I thought this was great.
1: Um, I gave this a, a highlight, yeah, same as um, the Italian versus Jungle Match for very different reasons. I, I preferred the dynamic here because there's, like, an obvious hierarchy and Kid's trying to prove she should go up the in order, which is something I always love. I, it, again, and it just addressed my biggest problem with Kid, and hopefully Kid will see that and think, you know what, I'm going to start making my strikes look... much <laughs> depressed, yeah, she has been doing. So, yeah, just... Joint best match of
0: the tournament for me. Great stuff. Yet another match, not one with a signature move. Just quickly to yeah. point that out. Another match that doesn't use that uh, uh, is match four on the night. So, Blue Stars action with Momo Watanabe defeating Azumi at nine minutes and 54 seconds with the cross face chicken wing. Chris. Chicken wing. Chicken wing! This match was another belter. Oh, yeah, this match fucked.
1: Um, it's funny, I keep saying that, and Garth keeps thinking it means something bad.
0: <laughs> you do make it sound like it means something bad, to be fair.
1: What? It fucked. Um, this is great. Um, there was this moment, and I put it in the group chat, and it scared Garth after death. Um, cause, um, so there was this kick exchange, as is standard. Um, Azumi um, ducks under jumps up the ropes, jumps down, and then
0: <laughs> Momo just catches her with a kick. Oh, it, you can tell it properly cleans Azumi's clock. She's not with it at all once it connects.
1: beginning of the end.
0: But yeah, this is... I didn't expect
1: this to be as good as it was, which, which I guess is... As stupid as me, because I knew this would go under ten minutes. Azumi matches normally deep, so I was like, "Oh, it'd probably be fine." But then it ended up being just great. It just didn't stop throughout the whole thing, and just one big, basically, Azumi had to get her way out of getting hit by bombs because of Momo started assisting group bombs. You fucked. I sort of shown by basically everything that happened after that kick.
0: Yeah, it led to a rather botchy Urinagi because I don't think Azumi actually knew where the fuck she was. It was just—it was so unpleasant to see because there's no way that didn't come keen. I mean, oh god, it was yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, you know, some of the other things though, I'll come on to the finishing sequence in a minute because I love that. Uh, again, a really really inventive way of Azumi getting into arm breakers and arm bars. She came off the top rope and did it for Momo, and it just lo- it looked seamless. Absolutely amazing. And there's a gif on Twitter of it. I don't know who's put it up, but it looked—it just looks amazing. I really enjoyed it. and we spoke about this from night one, Chris. This is where I wanted to talk about it. Um, the adaptability of wrestlers. Azumi knows Momo. They're in a faction <laughs> together. They wrestle <laughs> together really regularly. So every time... Momo tried to hit the B-Driver or the Peach Sunrise, Azumi just counted out of it. She's seen it a million times. She knew exactly how to do it. So it took something and... completely different in the cross face chicken wing for Momo to win because it was something that Azumi didn't expect. And I love that. It's such a little detail, but it just adds something to the match.
1: Yeah, because in Cafe these 2 were probably sparring all the time. I, and again it goes back to the kid versus main dynamic and it's actually it's a dynamic we had three times in the show and it's a dynamic I love of the younger people trying um, obviously having a game plan they know the key to beating um, their basically their mentor, but like we don't have the skills of their mentor so they can't quite carry off the game plan because as soon as the mentor sort of catches on to what your game plan is, they can just shut you down because they're better than you.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, Azumi was on another plane tonight. She really, really was. Just the pace with which she's working. I mean, it takes something to keep up with Momo. But to almost outpace Momo, you know, for the amount of time... I mean, I know it's only a nine-minute match. But Azumi just looked amazing. And she continues to look amazing, just like she did on night one. But here everything worked apart from you know completely being ko'd by an errant knee to the face um yeah a really 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 enjoyable match and again i gave it eight i gave this um eight as well just i fucking loved it. i re- honestly night two like night one is good night two was great really night really two- good
1: Night two should have been the opener for me. um I think this is the best match under 10 minutes this year. And it wouldn't be, but Kagetsu, I just had to look this up. Kagetsu versus Tam Nakano went 15 seconds over 10 minutes. Ah, <laughs> so, never mind. So close. um So,
0: yeah, this is probably the best match under 10 minutes all year, and I don't see anything topping it. No, I agree. Moving on then, match five, Red Stars action. Tam Nakano defeats Konami at 10 minutes and 50 seconds with the Tiger Suplex in a match I like to call Let's Kick Each Other the Musical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so should should make a drumbeat out of this. Um, yeah, this was... What I liked about this is Tam kept falling for... Like, can that... Konami was like set in traps and Tan kept falling for it, so Tam, again, like Mayo earlier, had to sort of brute her force to uh, brute force her way to victory here.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I <laughs> there was one moment, Chris, which I loved. And it's a moment I wish more people did. Um they were on the outside and they were fighting, and Tam was with all the um sort of ring crew, um, all the all the younger members of factions that are around ringside. And, you know, you always get that moment where someone dives into the crowd and, you know, it takes out all of those people and your opponent. Konami just moved. It was great. So Tam comes flying (laughs) off the top rope, hits all of the young faction members on the floor, and Konami has just moved and is on the apron just giggling to herself. That is fucking great, and everyone should do it.
1: It's my favorite thing when someone takes like a trope of a wrestling promotion, every wrestling promotion has some form of trope. Um, when and when this isn't a bad thing, this is just how wrestling is, and they, they subvert it just because they can. They're like, Well, why wouldn't I move? <laughs> it's like how it was, when it was Revelation when CM Punk kicked um John Cena before he did a five knuckle shuffle, it's kind of like that. Um, but yeah, well, once again, Konami just. Was on another plane here. It's probably, I think it's probably my favorite um, performance from her all year. Just amazing stuff. At one-point DDTing Tam from
0: top rope. No, absolutely not. No. Was what looked absolutely awful to take. No, (laughs) no, 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 Chris. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just what? Oh God. You've seen a Tiger Driver 91, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, that's something fucking else, that is. Um, I can't beat you, uh, so let's break your neck.
1: Yeah, this is probably the worst... Like, there's some bumps that just should never have been taken. And this is... To be fair, if you look, she does does kind of take it like it's like a high superplex.
0: Well, originally, the first time I saw it, I thought it was sort of a a little bit of a botchy superplex. And then I was like, no, it's it's a fucking DDT. Oh, my God. I had to rewind that I like, did as well I'm like are you serious I'm
1: going to rewind it and um, yeah it's just a dbc from the top I'm, I'm trying to think of a lot I'm sure I've seen it before but I don't know why I've seen it
0: I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this match I completely agree with you Chris oh. Konami she's doing some of the best work she's done just this cold yeah. cynical badass who kicks the shit out of you suits her but... down to the ground
1: but also, she's not stupid. She's not just brute forcing away. She has a like. She knew Tam was very kick heavy nowadays, so like she used that to continuously lock in submissions. Because she's not. Because she knows she can't out bomb Tam. Because Tam's just a bomber. So she just played it smart and only hit bombs when she thought Tam was one down enough for that to work. So yeah, I'm loving Konami right now. She's. Like a Jay White or a Tanahashi, where you can always see what her game plan is, but you never know where that's going to lead.
0: See, I see her more as a Zack Sabre Jr. She's clever, C- submission and strike-based. You know, Zack Sabre Jr. is an underrated striker. He's a great striker.
1: Um, I think I think both comparisons hold up. Like She's taken good parts from several people. mm and, yeah, she's... She's really gone up in my... Because, like, I saw her sort of a Sonata figure last year. Like, and that might just be me not noticing it. But, like, sort of, always going to be quality, but, like, never amazing. But, like, now she's slowly turning into one of my favourites. So... But if she turns on jungle, and I'm sorry, that's it. That's, that's it. I'll, I'll never like her again if she turns on jungle. <laughs> but...
0: What did you give this, buddy? No,
1: it's a great... Like, um... 8 out of 10. Like, my notes of this at the of these. Can I am con- um, consistently catching Tam out until she was bombed into the ground was amazing. Oh, also, a fucking top rub EDT.
0: Yeah, pretty much sums on my notes, to be fair. Uh, I gave it 8 as well. Um, another but, really good match. I should mention,
1: because, like, this stretch of four matches sort of disproves the theory that longer matches are better. Like, I got more out of one of these 10-minute matches and I've gotten out of, out of any New Japan main event since I want to say Wrestle Kingdom
0: um, if that's not the case there aren't many
1: yeah like just but like I don't know how because I, I was watching some old ca- um, champion carn- carnival matches in like 2018 um, a few months ago and like they'd go short as well but when they went short, it felt quite abrupt. It didn't, like, when Shingo versus Kento Mihara went, like, 15 minutes, I felt short. Whereas when, these get, when people in Stardom go 10 minutes, it feels like a well-formed match. I'm not sure how they manage it.
0: Ooh, Kento. Um, anyway. I, I was, I was <laughs> an insult towards Kento. I, I criticise him. <laughs> Every time now. We're going to have the Kento alarm. And every time you mention Kento, we're just going to have a little alarm that goes off in the background.
1: Right, fine. I'll start mentioning Ghost Gears after
0: that. Now, this is the match I wanted to talk about. So, match number six, which was more Blue Stars action, uh, we saw Yutami Hayashita defeat Natsuki Toro at 10 minutes and 15 seconds via disqualification. Now, Chris, I have written you a song. Do you want to hear it?
1: Um, yes, it's just... Is this going to involve you playing Beak No,
0: no, 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 not at all. Uh It's only a couple of lines long and it is set to (laughs) the popular ditty favourite things from The Sound of Music. So, (laughs) chair shots and sentons and use of that chain Jumping the bell and then hanging opponents Beat up officials when none of this works These are the points of a Natsuka match I think that sums up every single Natsuki Tura match since January.
1: <laughs> basically, yeah, basically since her Hizuki match, that's been that's been Tora's
0: MO. Um, every single fucking match, but bar, bar, ironically, night one of the fucking five star. I like this match.
1: Can I, can I get the nice things out of the way and
0: then I'll let you rant? I'm not going to rant, to be fair. It, I'm, I'm past what, what, ranting about Are We The Tie now. What's, what's the
1: song in lieu of a
0: rant? I, can we just appreciate how well I did to fit all of that into favourite things?
1: Yeah, you, you did well. Um, it didn't rhyme, but I'll forgive you. Anyway, the match itself, I like Tora here. I thought her British character really came across, because when Utami got her hope spots, they really popped, and that's what you need, because... Again, Tora and the current guys is an obstacle and is a favourite, so that worked. And when she started using the chain when the referee first went down, I thought that worked perfectly fine. I thought um, that was a natural thing to go for. It's when she started using it when the referee got up, that's when we got like the shades of the Tora that we don't want for dumb fucking idiot. Because, I'm not being funny, Hanging Utami was a cool spot when the referee was down. But when the referee is up, it, nothing happened because Utami didn't have a serious injury because she didn't have the chain around her for more than a couple of seconds.
0: It made no like,
1: sense. Like, as soon as the belt... You, like, to be honest, if Tora had done that... Hang on, there's no one else in, in Oedasai in the tournament, is there? So, like, if Tora had done that as a way to, uh, to clear it for... Um, Saki and Nazi to pick up the win against Tammy the next night. That would have been fine. But, like, yeah, there's no storyline reason to do that. And, like, it's just a shame because I was thoroughly enjoying this match, like this hot match between two bruisers, until that ending. That ending completely ruined the match for me.
0: It's a shame because that moment where she jumps the bell and, you know, she's not just doing the stupid thing where she's pulling the coat over her head. She proper derailed Utami. It looked legitimately stiff, and that was great. But I agree with you completely. Like, the hanging spot, that shouldn't be a spot in every fucking match, but it's every single match. We have, you know, Konami we've had hung. We've had Utami hung. We've had other people hung repeatedly, you know, And he's just like, for fuck's sake, it's an impactful spot if we don't see it every time you wrestle. And yet, yeah, the stuff with the referee completely blows my mind every time. Regardless, though, um, the moment where she puts three chair well, hits Yutami with three chairs at once is great, then puts the three chairs on Yutami and hits her with a cent from the apron on the floor, that was fucking great. Now, if we can get cool. more of that... More of that brutish Torah who just wants to hurt you instead of cut, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste offense that we've been getting for the last what feels like three and a half years, then I'll be invested because that, that one moment, coupled alongside the actual, you know, stiff looking interruption of Utami's entrance, that was fucking great. But then we got back to paint by numbers Torah.
1: Yeah, it it's so frustrating because she shows glimpses of not being that and then she doesn't... I think she might get better over that as a 5-star. Again, I'm holding my full judgment of her current character until post-5-star. But yeah, there's glimpses there. I just think she needs to act... She definitely needs to act more on those glimpses rather than that hanging people for no reason. Like... I am not as frustrated here as I was in say like G one twenty eight when Tamatonga kept getting himself disqualified because he'd like have a fifteen minute match when you get disqualified. This went less than ten. And um, but less than ten was really good up until the point where it wasn't.
0: Yes, smidge over ten. Ten minutes and fifteen.
1: So ooh, same time as Tam, if they could get to. Not as good. Um
0: <sighs> I mean, I-, I gave it six because ultimately you know, there was enough there to make it look like a, you know, a different match, but still, it's just, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating.
1: I'm struggling on what to rate this, because normally when I rate something a five, it's because I have actively nothing that I care about. Whereas here, I have things that both actively I really enjoyed and actively annoyed me. (laughs) And I can't decide which one is more prevalent. (laughs) So I'm just going to go with your rating because I literally do not know whether or not I like or hate this
0: match. I think that's wise. Let's let's go with that, buddy. Um, let's move on then to the semi-main of night two, match seven, Blue Stars action with Suri defeating Jungle Kiona at 12 minutes and 39 seconds with possibly the most brutal-looking Suzuka I've ever seen. Um... That finish, that submission move, Chris, looks brutal. Yeah, especially considering the match. So,
1: like, I don't know why more people don't target Jungle's um, shoulder because her her moveset is about ninety five percent lariats and power bombs.
0: I'd say it's more than that. To be fair.
1: Yeah, and then, like, the other ones are, like, the Jungle Buster, which literally had her uh, smashing you into her shoulder. <laughs> so the fact that, like, the only other match I can think of this year where someone actively went for Jungle's shoulder was B Priestley and Jamie Hayter in the tag match at 9th anniversary. Like, apart from that, no one does. So, like, it's because when you do that, like, so in this match, you completely neuter Jungle Kiona. First of all, coming out in the entrances, looking like like she's hungover. Who, Jungle? Yeah, with the glasses on and like the blank expression on her face, <laughs> like that's me on a Sunday morning.
0: Um,
1: but like the, the match here, so again, just it, she completely taken down. Jungle, Jungle did have her hope spots, but at the end of the day, was wasn't a ton she could do. She couldn't hold on for the Jungle Buster because the shoulder was fucked. She couldn't get her up for the Hammerlock, um, ham, Hammer Throw, I should say, Powerbomb because. Um, her shoulder was fucked, like the crux of this match was <laughs> Jungle's shoulder was fucked, she can't do anything, which is an amazingly effective little um, story device it's probably going to affect a whole five star much like probably Juice Robinson and G128, which makes me sad, but but also like, it makes sense within series offense, because she's always shooting for ambas she's always kicking so like, in, where, where she'd normally kick on the head, like when going into the car, she adjusted it just a little bit so she'd hit the shoulder. I love that shit. Yeah. That's great. I like, it's not notable when it happens, but more people should, that should just be standard. Um, yeah, but the problem is at that point, Jungle was basically put down about the three quarter way mark of this match, which means you didn't really have an overly exciting finish, which didn't quite take it to great, but this was still like really good. Like really, really solid stuff.
0: The resilience of jungle was the main point. Yeah, you know, as we as you mentioned, she was in the Suzuka for what felt like an eternity. But her determination to not lose again, to not tap out again, um really added to the drama for me and to then see her lose again, remain on zero points, still searching for that redemption from Nagoya then losing to the person who has now passed her in the pecking order it's brutal it's horrible and Stardom would be stupid not to capitalise on this storyline they really would you know I, I said it episodes ago, when I saw, you know, when I'm proper, proper patting myself on the back here, you know, the whole story arc with Momo. Get Momo to take the belt off Mayu. Then have Jungle in that ultimate redemption. After everything she went through with Queen's Quest, with Utami, with Momo, you know, because we didn't even mention on night one the history between Utami and Jungle. But after everything that she's been through, to then take that belt off um, Momo. This would be the perfect storyline, the way they've booked it, you know, to hit rock bottom, to then come back up, to watch these people who... Ciori's been in the company, what, five months? Um,
1: yeah, it was for February, Kirk, and... She, it wasn't for January, Kirk. It was ninth anniversary, which was January,
0: so um, six yeah. months. And she's already overtaken her in the packing order. To mm-hmm. see that must be brutal. And then, you know, she's yeah. that's still that promo that we talked about. That whole I am useless. I am not worthy. <laughs> it's just great. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Um I gave this eight. I loved it. Despite Screamy Shuri. Um it was it was great.
1: Very. Um I gave it like a high seven, close to an eight, but again, like the last like, you could tell Shuri was winning this about
0: three quarters of the way through, so, like, the last three or four minutes of this match was just sort of waiting for it to end, for me. For me, when you saw Mayu in the crowd, Suri was winning this. Yeah. <laughs> when you've got Mayu surveying an opponent and trying to, you know, suss out weaknesses and stuff, you're not then going to have Suri lose, are you?
1: Yeah. Um, to be fair, I hope Shuri learns from... Um, Julia and doesn't target the neck because that's just never going to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Julia then, let's move on to the main event of night. To match eight, Red Stars action. Himika defeating Donna Del Mondo faction leader Julia. Her first singles loss since her signing uh, at 15 minutes and 14 seconds with... I think it's fair to say one of the most gruesome running power bombs.
1: It's a it's a good running power bomb. Um, I think she could spike, uh, well, not spike it, but like, put a bit more into the fallen, But like, just from the height, it becomes devastating. Oh no, 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 no!
0: Sorry, Chris, I should have made that clearer. I'm not talking about the move. I'm talking about the way Julia's head bounces off the canvas. <laughs> it's no wonder the poor girl had to pull out of the fifteenth of August show in Osaka because of bad headaches. Because honestly, I'm surprised she's not concussed. You watch it back. I watched it back three times, and she just hits its shoulders because of Himika's height, and because Himika doesn't have control over because it's effectively a toss power bomb. Um. Just her shoulders hit and then her head just smacks the canvas and bounces back. And you can tell post-match she's not all there then. And she's holding her head during being rolled up by Himika. So she must be, it must have absolutely wrecked. And it would not surprise me in the slightest if that's the reason she pulled out of the 15th of August before it got cancelled.
1: Yeah, it it was nasty. In terms of the actual match, because I kind of don't want to dwell on Julia's situation until until we're wrapping up, Um, I think this is a match I prefer the context of more than I enjoyed the match itself.
0: Okay, talk to me about what you mean by that.
1: I enjoy the context of a faction, a new faction underling beating a faction leader. I enjoy that. I like that Ishii. Um, Like, Anne Anderson, Ric Flair, Ishii Okada, where, like, you may be my leader, but I've got your number type relationship. I'm into that. Um, I like that. Julia, last, no. Um, I I like the harsh nature. I liked the fact that this has sort of blown the five star wide open because um, everyone's leading in DDM. Apart from Julia, it's it's just it's made everything more interesting. But the match itself, it was fine. Like Himmick is good, um, but like she's not someone who can that Julia needs to put on a great match. I thought there was one too many um, who were beating the count on the last second double out spots to be effective. Especially that one where they were both on the mat. About to get to ten, and then we both bust up and go ah. No, that's stupid. I didn't. I didn't like that. Um, H- Himika here plays her role perfectly because again, she's the spoiler getting out from brute force. Like everything was fine. Of course, Julie can't pull off as much offense oh. as she normally would because a lot of her offense is throwing people about, and you're not going to do that way of Himika. Um, the submission game is all right. Everything was all right. Just nothing nothing was especially amazing for me like no offense overly popped until about last power one but almost
0: killed Julia so I enjoyed the way that Julia had to adapt her game because usually she is the cocky arrogant person in a match overly confident to a fault yet here you've got Himika effectively her underling completely dominating her you know being overly confident you know almost out her. That's a word. Um, just completely overshadowing her in every way. And Julia's ordinary offense, as you touched on, she couldn't perform, so she had to cut to a submission game. You know, constantly trying to work the neck, work the legs, try and cut himick down, adopting what Tam tried unsuccessfully on night one Um but what I loved, and it was the best move of the match for me, was this seamless roll into the STF. This, just this rolling transition from Julia, and it just looked so smooth, beautiful. But I also enjoyed Julia's overconfidence finally coming back to bite her in the arse. Now, that's not because I don't like Julia. It's because it's brilliant character work. Because ultimately, what cost Julia? She'd done the submission work. She'd worked the leg. She'd worked the neck. If you'd done that, Chris, on anyone, you've done a submission game, you've gone for the leg, for the neck, would you then attempt to break out the glorious driver or would you try and lock in the stealth viper?
1: No, exactly. Again, that's um, the story of Julia's confidence coming back to Byron Veras. That's another reason I sort of like the context more than... The match, Because, like, instead of being overconfident there, I thought Julia just seemed a bit stupid.
0: (laughs) See, I I didn't see it as stupid. I saw it as overconfidence, arrogance. She's just come off the back of beating the world of stardom champion. You know, and, you know, I wouldn't say it was easy, but ultimately she came out quite handily on top, let's say. But to then lose to her underling in a way that she didn't see coming, you know, she'd already had to adapt her offense, because Himika is just that much bigger and that much more powerful than her. To then lose it in the way she did, and then to basically get concussed, um, is, you know, it's a first loss on the Stardom roster, and then to lose to someone that she bought in for her faction? That's a fucking great story beat. And it makes Himika look like an absolute boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what's this, I
1: think they want her to be a um, monster. You can't have a loser that much, which is hard to book for a rookie five-star.
0: It's difficult because you're not only trying to make people look strong, you are still trying to put Donna Del Mondo across as the faction, the dominant mm-hmm. faction. So you're trying to make the four women in that Group look strong, so at the moment, and as you touched on, it's a fantastic dynamic at the moment that the person on the least points out of that faction, the only one without a hundred percent record, is Julia. Now, what I would love to see, Chris, we saw Julia almost go to pieces at the fact that she'd lost a tag match, she was pinned in a tag match to the bean sprout Saki Kashima, you know her words, not mine um. Can you imagine what this could do to her having lost her first singles match in front of a crowd to someone she bought in? They could proper lean on this and have her go fucking mental and it would be great.
1: Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot of story potential coming out of this match and I like that. I just don't think that makes the match especially <laughs> What, what was like, like, your issue with the match? I didn't have any just nothing overly pop for me or, like it is ultimately comes down to just how how we viewed this match differently but a lot like the, the, um, the difference between going for a stealth fighter and going for the glorious driver Again, I thought that made Julie come across more stupid than cocky. I think there was better ways to come um, get the cockiness across. I've, I once again, I thought that there was too many close encounters with the draw. I thought they were being a bit too cute with that. Um, just, it, I, I'm not saying it was a bad match. I'm just saying like it, it did not blow me away. Like there was nothing in this match until the ending that really stands out to me. It's something I like the implications of more than I like it itself. You know it's like? It's like Jurassic Park. Well, I like the fear of Jurassic Park more than I actually like Jurassic Park. Are we
0: talking old Jurassic Park or new Jurassic Park? Um, been, I
1: watched Jurassic Park for the first time ever last week and I didn't like it very much.
0: Is it because you're scared of dinosaurs?
1: No, it's not because I'm scared of dinosaurs. It's fine, just, mate. This
0: is a safe I, place. If you're scared of dinosaurs, just tell me you're scared of dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm not scared of dinosaurs. Um, (laughs) I'm not scared of dinosaurs.
1: It's just, I I thought the T-Rex was cool, but everything around it kind of wasn't. Yeah, fair. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can't really argue with that. Um, So moving on to the post-match then, Himika steals Julia's place in the DDM pose um, after hilariously saying, all of us are unbeaten. Oh no, wait all of us have 100% records oh no wait and did they, before all of that just went for all of you guys who love 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 himika oh no wait oh absolutely savage get some aloe vera because julia has been burned i absolutely absolutely love that absolutely just lo- the unnecessary kicking of julia while she was down Loved it, loved it. I didn't enjoy the fact that Julia, her clock had clearly been rung and she just sort of couldn't stand. She looked really, really off. So fingers crossed she gets better soon because it looked it looked a really rough landing. Um, coming out of these two days, Chris, how are you feeling about Himika?
1: She's, good. again, I think playing her role is spoiler is being played really well like um but she's green like she's fairly obviously green and that makes sense because she's not been wrestling all that long um the more experience she gets the better she's going to be i think when she goes against someone like mayu um it's going to be a ban- like she has some barnstormers in her but much, much the same thoughts i have with cyrie Ida, or Micah, where they're playing both roles fine but like we're just, we just need to get more experience which,
0: like, again, isn't a knock on her because it's just the reality of it. She's been going for about a year. So. And I think that is what a tournament like this is going to be absolutely <laughs> amazing for. And I think we're going to see a lot of progression, um, if not character-wise for someone like Saya Ida, but s- certainly in-ring. Um, you know, When you look at who she's got in her block, you know, she's going to have some s- blow-away matches, fingers crossed um overall these two nights brilliant the booking was great i can't fault one result not one of these matches fell below a passing grade every single one of them was good to a brilliant um i still don't think there's that match that's a match of the year contender as of yet but there was some absolute blowaway matches Utami jungle was great mayu versus starlight was great um konami versus tam was amazing in fact that that run of four matches on night two from mayu up until i think it was konami those four matches were absolutely amazing and i would actively encourage you to go and watch those um Are there any matches that I've missed, Chris, that you thought were brilliant? Um, Is there anything you want to add overall before I go through the block standings as it stands in this early stage?
1: I think everything's worth checking out just because even the stuff that's not blow away isn't going to take up a bunch of your time. In a world where seemingly everyone is obsessed with half an hour epic, you'll be hard-pressed to find a major... Wrestling show in the last, I want to say two years, be it like AEW, WWE, um, NXT, New Japan, Noah, or Japan, that doesn't have half our main events. And like this sort of proved that the industry standard is stupid. Like how we have, um, what, six, six, 15 matches here, all of which um, are below 16 minutes, all of which uphold the industry standard without taking away half my fucking day. So that's this is where like Stardom like they can make a sprint feel like a fully realized match, which is an issue a lot of places have, where like a sprint feels like a sprint.
0: Yeah.
1: Whereas here it's like, but, but like I get those three matches you mentioned, as well as the two mains on night one, they feel like tw- they've condensed a 20-minute story into half that time. Yeah,
0: I, cu- I couldn't agree more.
1: As, as opposed to like a lot of. Especially like take all the matches or need my main events where it felt like they have taking a fifteen-minute story and stretched it into half an hour. So.
0: Yeah, conforming to what they feel like it needs to be, as opposed to you know organically yeah. trying to produce a match. Yeah, I get, I get that, I get that. They just put what we need to put out there and then leave it at that. Completely agree. So currently, um. Blue Stars standings are thus: uh, topping the block is currently Utami Hayashishita with four points, followed by Suri and Mika both on four points. Momo Watanabe and Azumi are both on two points, and then bringing up the rear are Jungle Kiona, Natsukata, and Saeeda, who are all on zero points. Uh, red Star standings: the first and Possibly the biggest surprise at the moment is that Himika heads the block with four points, the only one in Red Stars with a current 100% success rate. Uh, Mayu and Julia and Tam, Konami and Starlight Kid all follow with two points and one victory each, with Saya Kamitani and Death Yamasan both on zero points, but both having had one less match. Uh, The reason for that is, obviously, as we touched on before, the Osaka show on the 15th, which was to have four block matches on it, and I'll go through those in a moment, had to be cancelled partway through the show because of a positive COVID test. Again, wasn't part of the camp that was there. It was someone who was away from the camp. They didn't name names, which is, you know, absolutely what they should have done. Uh, They did make the correct decision in the wake of safety and cancelled the event. Meaning that these four matches will be scheduled for other events. So the matches that should have taken part on the fifteenth were Utami versus Momo, which would have been absolutely amazing, but thankfully we still get it. Uh, Jungle Kiona versus Toro, where presumably one of them would get off zero points. Um an all Donna Del Mondo affair between Suri and Micah, and then Death Yamasan versus Sayakamatani. Looking forward, Chris, the next two dates in the five-star Grand Prix are the 29th of August in Nagata and the 30th of August in Takaoka. Now, I just want to quickly read through the matches that we actually have got scheduled at the moment. It wouldn't surprise me if some of the matches from the 15th are moved to these two dates. Currently, on the 29th of August in Nagata... We have got Jungle versus Azumi, which is tasty. Um, Natsukotora versus Mika, Julia versus Konami. Again, that could be great. Um, Sayakamitani vs. versus Mayu. And Death Yamasan versus Himika. On the 30th in Takaoka, which is where I imagine most of the matches from Osaka will be tagged on, we have got Momo versus Saya. Konami versus Starlight Kid, and Tam Nakano versus Saya Kamatani. Is there anything there that jumps out at you, Chris, that you're looking forward to?
1: Konami versus Julia rematch sounds really good. Of course it does. I think Saya Kamatani will definitely have her best match against Mei, unless Mei destroys her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 30-second squash. Yeah, it all sounds good. Like, there's not a single match in the five-star thing that I'm, I'm dreading because, again, even if I don't like it, it'll be gone in five minutes anyway. So. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think Jungle versus Zumi could be good. Um, Momo versus Saya, I think, will also be good. Then, obviously, you know, the matches that were supposed to take place on the 15th, Utami versus Momo. Um, Jungle... Oh, sorry, not Jungle versus Tora. Um, Suri versus Micah will be an interesting dynamic. Um... But overall, yeah, those are your five-star matches to look forward to. Of course, in the midst of all of this, because why the fuck would you do something simply? We also have the two matches at Yo- sorry, the two nights at the Yokohama Budokan on the 22nd and the 23rd of August, right in the middle of all this five-star nonsense. So I'm not going to run. Stream, okay. Say again, sorry. They're charging for the live stream on both shows. What do you mean they're charging for the live stream? There's going to be a live stream where they are charging 4,400 yen each for the live streams. On on top of what we pay for Stardom World. I'm just going to wait for the VODs to go up, to be honest. Right. Hmm.
1: Uh... <laughs> the VOD's is not being charged for
0: it's. I think it's on Fight TV or something. I think I've seen this. I think I've seen it. How much is 44 yen? For, no, it's 4,400 dollars.
1: Oh, yeah. How much is,
0: how much is, is that? Is about 30-something quid. Bloody
1: hell. Think about it this way. Um, Stardom World is 900 yen a month.
0: That's a lot of money. Um... That is a lot of I'm fine waiting for a video. (laughs) So am I. Um, Just quickly then, um, just going to quickly whip through these um, Yokohama Budokan cards once again. I'm only going to do it quickly because we have already discussed this in the previous episodes. Go and check that out in the archives. Um, On the August 22nd show, we've got (laughs) Hanan and Itsuki Hoshino, who again, it's her last match, (laughs) uh, last night, last two nights, versus Hina and Rina. Um, Azumi versus Sayahida. Jungle Kiona, Konami, and Death Yama-san versus Natsu Kitora, Saki Kishima and Natsu Sumiya. Of course, that does depend on how Saki Kishima is. Again, we wish her all the best. Tam Nakano, Starlight Kid, and Riho versus Mima Shimoda, Yuna Manasseh and Super Strong Stardom Machine. Um, Yutami Haishishita versus Himika, because that is going to be tasty. Um, Future of Stardom title match, Maika versus Saya Kamitani. Uh, Special singles match, Julie versus Momo. World of Stardom title match, the main event, Meiwibutani versus Siori. Moving on to August 23rd, five-way battle, Death Yamasan versus Ruaka versus Hanan versus Hina versus Rina. Um, It's Suki Hoshino, which will be her last match, versus Saya Ida. Rioho vs Natsu Samir, Jungle Kiona and Konami vs Natsukatora and Saki Kashima, Meyu Iwatani vs Momo Watanabe in special <coughs> single action. High-speed tattle match between Azumi vs. Starlight Kid. Uh, the Goddesses of Stardom title match with Utami and Saya, the current champions, taking on Himika and Micah. And then your main event, the Wonder of Stardom title match between Julia, the champion, and Tam Nakano. Uh, before we sign off, Chris, is there anything that you want to say regarding those shows? Anything else you want to add very briefly about the five star in general?
1: I can't believe Superstar Machine isn't Timber Five Star.
0: Can you imagine the scenes? Can you imagine? As she strolls down. She'd beat everyone, so like it would make it a boring tournament, but still. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. We really do appreciate it. Just a couple of dates for your diaries, fingers crossed. And again, this is all dependent on Stardom's VOD service and when they put everything up. On the 6th of September, uh, we'll be reviewing the shows from the 29th and the 30th regarding the five-star If it has been released, and if we've seen it, because that's a lot of stardom to watch, we will also try and review the 22nd and 23rd shows at Yokohama on the 6th of September. Fingers crossed. If we haven't, it'll be a couple of days after. It will be about there, though. That's what we're shooting for. And then for the next set of five-star dates, we're looking at recording on the 20th of September and then the 26th or the 27th of September, depending on when the entire cards are up. Um, so yeah thank you so much for listening guys uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts we're everywhere Apple, Spotify Google Play Stitcher absolutely everywhere go and give subscribe give us a 5 star rating it really does help the podcast out um, go and check out the website www.podmania.co.uk where you can listen to all the archived episodes and check out our match ratings for shows such as the 5 star that we've just talked about um, go and check out chops kicks and near falls um who have just started the dragon suplex network which we are a part of so go and check them out i really hope i've said that right yeah chop kick near falls just out to check um you can check the River <laughs> absolutely you can check the podcast out on twitter at at the stardom cast uh, you can talk to me on twitter at at real rob goodwin chris where can they find you real Kevin Nash. Why Kevin Nash? <laughs> Why Kevin Nash today? Um,
1: I, I looked up my Twitter um, on Twitter and it's the first one I came
0: across. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Solid stuff. Uh, in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys again soon.